In this short video, I'm going to cover for you a question which is very popular when people say, what's the difference between a sole trader and a limited company? Truth be told, it would be a very, very long video. I'm talking 45 minutes to an hour, if not longer, for me to cover everything. I've made that succinct and covered some of the key points I think you ought to know in this video. So if you're interested in sole trader or property in your own name versus a limited company. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax-saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. In this video, I'm going to explore with you uh, the difference between having property in your own name uh, uh, versus using a limited company. Because quite often people ask questions around uh, which is the best structure for me. I'm not covering all structures. I'm going to cover property in your own name versus property in a limited com company. Uh, now, for all intents and purposes, just because you own company in your own name or property in your own name, it doesn't make you a sole trader. But for a, this particular video, We'll call that a sole trader business, just so that we're kind of using terminology which is commonly used or, or well known. So the first thing I'd point out is uh, the benefit of having a sole trader business is that the accounts are simple. So that's a good thing. So your accounts fee should be lower because there's less compliance required. Uh, you've got flexibility in terms of adding partners. Uh, a downside, of course, is you've got unlimited liability. So that's something you should be aware of. If something goes wrong, you are personally responsible and liable uh, for that. So if you can't pay your debts, uh, you will have to pay them personally. Flexibility is important and people want that in terms of adding partners, uh, removing partners uh, and being able to uh, run your property business properly. Uh, and downside to the simplicity, in my experience, is sometimes planning is overlooked uh, because everything's so simple. Uh, people don't spend enough time on the planning versus a limited company, which I'm going to cover for you later on. So I think it's important with your sole trader business, uh, you spend time looking at things that you can plan for. So the things that you should be looking at are capital expenditure, which links in with capital allowances, which also links in with whether you should claim capital allowances or use other taxable reliefs before you eat into your capital allowances. Because if you eat into them, then you've got less left at the end which you carry forward and you're going to deplete that figure. So are you better using other reliefs and allowances before you use your capital allowances? Usually the answer is yes, but you need to do that calculation to make sure that you're on top of it. On top of that, uh, then you've got your pensions, your pension, uh, and this simply is being aware of your annual allowance and then knowing when to make those pension payments uh, to make sure that you can obviously uh, claim your uh, up to your 40,000 pounds. Does that look at 40,000? It doesn't quite, does it? Let's try again. You have 40,000 uh, uh, annual uh, allowance. Uh, and if you haven't made contributions in the last three years uh, and you qualify, then you could obviously uh, make up for those uh, three years as well. So you need to be aware of that uh, and make sure uh, that you're on top of it. On top of that, uh, there's other reliefs like charitable donations. Let's put charitable. So making sure that you're aware of those and using the relief available with that. Uh, alongside that, you'll also have, actually over here, EIS or CDIS investments if you've made any to make sure uh, that you, you qualify for them. 
and you've uh, accounted for them properly. With that, you've also got the opportunity in your, in your business, if you're married, for example, to include your spouse. So to look at uh, whether you can use, if let's say you're a high rate taxpayer and your spouse is a low rate taxpayer, can you use some of their basic rate band uh, by transferring some of the beneficial ownership into your, uh, the name of your spouse uh, so that they're paying tax at 20% opposed to you paying at 40% or 45%. That then also links in quite nicely to Section 24 Mortgage or Finance Cost Relief. If you're a high rate taxpayer, you'll know you can't claim all your relief and you only claim it at, or you get, get a credit, uh, but you only end up claiming at 20% as opposed to uh, the, the full relief if you're a 40% taxpayer or a 45% taxpayer. So seeing, making sure that you, the income uh, is a, a portion to the, a spouse who possibly earns less, and then obviously they can claim the finance costs. Of course, if you've got a mortgage, then you've got to make sure that you speak to your mortgage provider, especially if the terms and conditions state that any change in legal or beneficial ownership needs to be made aware to them. Alongside that, if you've got losses for, brought forward, making sure you utilize those uh, and you, you use reliefs and allowances before you use, use the losses, the losses can be carried forward. Most reliefs and allowances, you either use them or you lose them. So you're going to use those first and then move over obviously on to uh, losses and then obviously your capital allowances. So these things need to be done in a particular order uh, to make sure that you uh, are being as efficient as you can with your different reliefs, rates uh, and allowances. Uh, but uh, uh, the good thing about uh, a sole rated business also is that the finance or the funding uh, rates are lower. Uh, so that's going to work well for you. Uh, so you need to compare that when you go into a, a limited company structure in terms of the finance cost. And it's got to be a holistic uh, approach and not just kind of one size fits all. Uh, another beauty is because there's a sole trader business, you are the business. Uh, there's no uh, costs for you uh, when you use assets that belong to the company or you get certain benefits. So if you've got, if you got a, a car, for example, there's no company car tax in a sole trader, LLP or a partnership. Uh, so whether you're claiming 45 pence a mile versus this is your own car versus having a car paid for by the company, a company car, doing that, that calculation and working out what works better for you. Uh, but if you drive the car personally, then you make a private use adjustment, uh, but there's no, no company car tax and no need to file a P11D because that doesn't apply. So in a nutshell, to keep it very simple, that's what uh, a sole trader business is. Nice and simple, simple accounts, everything simplified. You've got the flexibility. Uh, there's no additional disclosure requirements. Uh, you, then you just got to make sure you use your reliefs and allowances in the right order and utilize your losses and your capital allowances. Alongside that, you can apportion income to a spouse uh, and make sure that you do that properly and you notify HMRC if you have to, especially if you have a deed of trust and then you're using a Form 17 uh, for change of uh, beneficial ownership. Uh, and then obviously looking at Section 24 and if you've got a car, see whether uh, you should be claiming 45 pence a mile for your own car, whether you're using a car that belongs to a sole trader business. Uh, so those are the kind of basics that I think you ought to be thinking about uh, for your structure. Now let's look at a limited company, which is obviously uh, a more complicated beast. And again, I'm not going to cover every single thing for you because otherwise this will become a 45 minute video and probably by minute three, you're going to really be bored and thinking this is really for accountants. I'm not interested. I'm going to cover kind of high level stuff for you to be aware of. So the first thing is 
you've got limited liability, which is important to people because your company is a separate legal entity. That is good because it ring fences the liability. But with that, what that means is you are separate to the company. So you can't just go into the company and put your hand in the, in the company's pocket of the bank account and take money out. And if you're like most small business owners, uh, you're probably gonna, you've probably done that in the past and you're probably currently doing it in the future, which is a huge bugbear for accountants because we don't like that happening. Because what that does is it gives you an overdrawn director's loan account. And in very simple terms, is you, if, you've, if you've got an overdrawn loan account, then you need to pay your company interest for using that money. If you don't uh, uh, pay interest, then it's a taxable benefit. You're gonna file a P11D and disclose the interest. Alongside that, uh, you have to repay the loan within nine months of the year end. And if you don't do that, then you've got a section 455 tax charge, which is 32.5% usually, but at the minute, uh, you've got the additional 1.25% for the national insurance. Uh, so this can get quite expensive. You, you pay the tax, and if you, if you repay the loan at some point in the future, then you can get the tax back. So this is like a penalty tax. And so you don't want to be in this particular situation. You want to make sure that you do your remuneration planning so that you are taking out uh, a salary, possibly a bonus and dividends, uh, which will give you the most favorable outcome that works for you. Now, of course, with a sole trader business, uh, you've got income, expenditure, profit, you pay tax on, on the profit, that's it, and whatever money is left over, you can do what you like with it. With a limited company, you pay corporation tax, because it's a separate legal entity, the company files its own tax return, whereas with a sole trader, obviously, you only file your self-assessment. So you have your, your CT return, stands for corporation tax. So once you've paid your corporation tax, uh, then whatever you've got left over, if you take those funds out, buy your salary, because your salary would be payable to you usually every month, as an expense in the accounts, uh, you take out a dividend on which you've already paid corporation tax. On top of that, you're gonna pay IT for income tax, you're gonna pay income tax. So you've got corp tax and then income tax and to weigh up uh, how much that's gonna be and see if that kind of works out better for you or whether you should be a sole trader business. Generally speaking, the more income that you're making or the more profitable you are, uh, having a limited company works better. People ask for a ballpark figure, it's difficult to give one, but I'd say if you're earning around about anywhere from 40,000 plus, uh, then you should consider having a limited company. Consider means going through the calculations to make sure it works out well for you. Remember, section 455 is an issue. Now, I'll quickly cover off cars for you because that's a common question uh, that gets asked to accountants. Simply speaking, you've got the 45 pence per mile, which I covered for you earlier for a sole trader. Uh, that's the 45 pence per mile is for the first 10,000 miles starting on the 6th of April in any given tax year and finishing on the following 5th of April in a tax year. That's for the first 10,000 miles, 25p, 5p thereafter. Or you can have a company car. So if you have a company car and there's private use because you drive the car personally, that's a taxable benefit. And what that basically means is you've got to pay tax uh, on the value of that car and the CO2 emissions. So it, it's, a, it's a calculation that you do. You, you work out the taxable benefit and then you pay tax on it, uh, which can be quite high depending on how expensive your car is and the CO2 emissions. So that's something that you need to bear in mind. But as a sole trader, there's no such thing as company car tax. You only have your private use adjustment. Now if you have an electric car, you pay 2% tax. So you're probably better off if you can, if you're gonna get a company car through a limited company, have it as an electric car because the tax rates are 
pretty low on that and the government is incentivizing people to have uh, to go electric alongside that if you're a per personal service company then you got IR35 to consider uh, so make sure you're, you're aware of that if you get caught out that's going to become quite expensive so you, you need to know exactly what the implications are with that uh, your compliance costs are going to be higher uh, because it takes more time there's more disclosure notes and more requirements in terms of your accounts then and everything's uh, put on with company's house by everything what i mean by that is your accounts are with company's house you file a confirmation statement every year with company's house you disclose with the, the the people of significant control are or the persons of significant control so all that information is online you file your accounts with hmrc a tax return with hmrc and you file your accounts with company's house too alongside any other uh, information the company has articles of associations and also a memorandum uh, so you need to make sure those articles are fit for purpose uh, and meet and meet your needs and requirements a good flexibility with uh, limited companies you can have alphabet shares uh, which basically means you can have other shareholders employees family members okay and those alphabet shares are anywhere from a to z shares okay and the good thing here is you can you've got certain rights that you can access access that you can hold back withdraw uh, or you can grant so voting rights rights to income and rights to capital on a winding up so you you could for example give one of your employees let's say uh, a right to income so if they achieve particular targets and help you grow the company you'll give them some income but you don't want to give them any voting rights you don't want to give them any rights to capital so a limited company gives you that flexibility where you can include that uh, or have different classes of shares not just for you of course your employees but also your family members you can get more complicated uh, and have growth shares and freezer shares where you freeze the value of your shares and then uh, grant the growth or the mushroom shares to family members or employees or somebody else linked with that you've got something called the enterprise management investment scheme uh, which you can uh, set up for your employees to incentivize them uh, to help you grow the business uh, and that's quite tax efficient for them and it gets them on board singing from the same hymn sheet as you so you're kind of all working uh, and or do towards the same vision and direction now if you're going to have growth shares and freezer shares uh, and other classes of shares you need to make sure your articles of association are fit for purpose and that's why it might not be better for you to form a company yourself which i appreciate the temptation is cheaper to do but to get somebody who knows company law to do that for you uh, because when you set it up it's cheaper to do once you've set it up and then you want to change the articles of association it's generally going to cost you more to do now coming to the funding it's going to cost you more in terms of funding simply because the interest rates in a limited company are higher and you're probably going to have to give a personal guarantee okay which in some cases or most cases defeats the objective of having limited liability that's just the climate we live in that's how banks work uh, and so you've got to be comfortable with that if you're not uh, you might have a problem with pgs you can limit the pg so if you're borrowing uh, let's say a million pounds you don't have to give a pg for a million pounds you can negotiate it with the bank and that they might agree to 50 grand 100 grand 150 grand or a different number remember and then you've got the the world of group structures with the holding company which i'm not going to go into today because it's going to get very lengthy and complicated I might do that for you at some other point but the big point for you to remember with the limited company is it's a separate legal entity 
okay? And you will treat it as such. So what I usually do people is just imagine you're working for Tesco's or BP or Sainsbury's or whoever, and you're an employee there. What would you do as an employee, okay? Is how you should see yourself working for the company. You're a director, you know, you're responsible, but you can't just go and put your hand in the till uh, because that has consequences. So that in a nutshell, to keep it really simple for you, are some of the differences uh, between a limited company and a sole trader. Any questions you've got in the comments below, happy to answer them. If you want me to go into more detail, to talk more about a sole trader versus a limited company, happy to do a much longer video if the demand's there. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.